Welcome to Breakthrough Brands. You are listening to The Conscious Business Show, bringing purpose, profit, and prosperity into your life and business with your host, Joe Dalton. And welcome to the show, Mike Stevenson. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. I'm delighted to be on the show. It's great. Mike, you are one of the UK's most exciting speakers. You've had an amazing journey. You're an award-winning entrepreneur. Um, You've switched between humour and serious content when you're delivering to your audience. You're a curious person. um, You've spoken in many different countries and to many businesses as well. Would I be correct in saying all that? And you're TEDx like myself as well. Yes, well, I mean, you know, far be it from me to uh, um, to self praise, but everything you've said is is absolutely correct. And I've just signed up with Speakers Corner in London, a major agency, so um, things are going in the right direction. Um, I do what I do because I I have a real passion for seeing industries and businesses succeed in in today's very uncertain climate. And when you know you make an impact, it kind of fuels you. That's why I do it. It's like you say, when you fall, fall forward, which is quite important instead of backwards on it. Yes. So, Mike, are you a speaker? Are you a inspirational speaker? Are you a business entrepreneur that helps companies develop strategies? What would you class yourself and your business in? Well, I think now um, the inspiration and the motivation comes very high because once you've got people into a position where their minds are open and they're looking at the world and their role in the world in a different way, then you're open to help them to take another step forward. You know, you can look at how they communicate internally in an organisation. You can also look at, uh, you know, their developing strategy because it's. I've been in business, so I know, um, you know, what it's like when you lose that sense that you're a startup. Things can begin, you know, you can begin to get complacent, to use hubris sets in. So there is no business that is 100% right. Um, and even if it's a reminder, even if it's a boost, even if it's just a, a little shot in the arm, you know, what I do is to, um, you know, give them that little kind of electric pulse that gets their... their 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 minds working again and thinking more creatively, um, you know, creates a, a greater adrenaline rush. But more than that, um, to see that you know by doing things um, in different ways, by being you know more imaginative in the approach, can actually achieve more. Does that make sense? It does. But your story is quite interesting as well because. You know, you say you were from a rough sleeper to a busker and then yeah. it turned into a multi-award winning entrepreneur. Yeah. What yeah. Would, how, how did you end up being a rough sleeper, turning well, into it, the busker? And what was, it, and what was it that made you the entrepreneur and what was the driving force be, behind all of it? Well, the, 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 the simple answer is that I was chucked out of school when I was 15 
not for anything that I'd done wrong, just I was a failure academically. So I had this badge of failure. Um, and my parents were splitting up at the time, so things were really bad at home. So I went down to London and I actually got a job within three days of arriving in London. Um, this was in the 60s. Um, I, I won't say exactly where it was in the 60s, but I, I got a job in a shop and within three weeks, uh, and I had bed and breakfast as well, within three weeks I was sacked because they said that no one could understand a word I said with my Scottish accent. So um, no job, no accommodation. I was immediately chucked out of my accommodation. So it was a, it was a, it was a circumstance, you know, of um, the situation I got myself into, and, and I was um, sleeping out for a year, and I learned some incredibly valuable lessons and met some amazing people in that time. And I'll just tell you one one little story that you know helps to shape what I do just now. And you know, one night I was in Piccadilly Circus; it was freezing cold. Um, this van drew up, and this woman jumped out. She was from this charity. I'm going to give you accommodation tonight and help me find something more prominent in the morning. So I, I was delighted. Um, and I was taken to this place in Peckham. And the first thing that happened to me, I was shown into a tiled room and told to take my clothes off. And the next thing I knew, there was a, a hose pointed at me and unleashed. And I felt really small and belittled by that. And I escaped back into the streets because I had more dignity. And I realised then that, you know, we have all these interactions every day. I mean, some of us have hundreds of interactions. And, you know, we've got a choice with each one to make people feel um, a bit better about themselves or to sink their spirits. And I realised that I, as a rough sleeper, my priority was not accommodation. It was to feel significant, to feel valued, to, to believe that I had a name. Um, a history and even ambition. You don't think of, you know, people sleeping out in the streets as having ambitions, but actually, you know, many do. So th that was a real awakening. Um, and then, you know, I got into busking because I met an Irishman, uh, as you do, um, in London, and he took me to Dublin. I got a guitar. The one thing I'd been able to do when I was at school was to play the guitar and to do a bit of singing. Uh, which didn't count for anything at school. But, you know, when I went on stage at night, I just felt alive, you know, just this surge of energy. So I I started busking at the top of Grafton Street um, on that patch of ground. It was before it was pedestrianised. So uh, it was me and a, and a Lebanese bongo player, and we became quite, um, you know, infamous at that time. It was 1968. By, by then. And, you know, I got to know um, Thin Lizzie, who were just starting out at the time. So it was a great time. And I think then, you know, I I kind of realised my talent as a performer. And then I had a succession of jobs. Uh, and the, the one abiding kind of thing for me was I don't like working for someone because I don't really fit in. And if you're a maverick, I mean, I think organisations should have mavericks, but I, I never really fitted in to um, the, the kind of settled systems. And I also wanted to push the boundaries a bit. So, you know, then uh, it, I built up a, a lot of skills around, you know, how organisations communicate. Um, I did a marketing course. Um, so I set up a design and marketing agency in Edinburgh when I was 43. Um, so that was the start of my business career. I'm going to just pull back there 
and the time when you it's interesting that you say rough sleeper and not homeless i you know the the wording that you use on that and the, a question that's coming up for me is what was your biggest fear at that time oh my biggest fear was just disappearing um and i had quite bad asthma as well so i kept going to Charing Cross Hospital when I had attacks and the doctor said, you know, you won't live till you're 22. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't the dying, it was, it, it was dying in ignominy, you know, um, where, where people didn't know. Uh, so that was the greatest fear um, of just disappearing and not being known by anyone um, and having no contact, no roots. Was, um, so that, that that's quite big for people, you know. Would that uh, would that have been your driving force, or well. your paradigm shift to kind yes. of go, okay, I'm not going to be this person. Exactly, and in fact, I, I remember it very well because I was um, one night. It was very very cold, and and I was sitting there thinking, you know, there's only two ways to go. One is. Um, down and down I don't have to go very far and the other is up and going up I do have to go quite far but I I gave myself I started whispering this kind of mantra to myself which is the best is yet to come and I've used that ever since and you know what became a whispering mantra has now become a whole life philosophy so you know I'm I'm now 69 um, approaching 70 and I've got the appetite that I had when I was in my 20s. And, you know, I still feel that I'm at the start of a journey rather than the end of a journey. And that's a, that comes from this, you know, this belief, which is now really embedded in how I think, that the most exciting things are still around the corner. And if you believe that, then you, you, you can accomplish so much more than when you believe your life is kind of laid out in a, in a linear fashion. And when you get to a certain age, you should start, you know, beginning to wind down. Well, I've not wound down at all. In fact, I'd like to wind up even more now. It, it's it's interesting because of there's one thing that you that you that you said there, and it sort of hit with me was schools and you know schools kind of teach people and they build them to work in that sort of industrial age. Um, so we go out, we fall into big businesses. We we were told what we do, and it's. You were kind of went through it, and you found your strengths along the way, and worked on those strengths. And your weaknesses were the ones that probably got you in trouble because you were fearful. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe you were fearful of what your strengths could offer. But when you got what those strengths were, that's when your life changed. Uh, absolutely, and and I think um, in organisations often my strengths were a threat to people who were in authority. So you know, I could talk, I could be persuasive, I, I could write, um, I had ideas, and they can be scary um, for people who are quite insecure. Going then from when you were you were busking, and I, God, I, I wasn't even born in 1968, and... I remember Grafton really Street. <laughs> I remember Grafton Street when 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 it was all changing. I was at a very young age myself. But like, th- there is the point. Okay, you're doing this, and you you know you went back down to Scotland and you set up this agency. What happened? Like, what kind of happened that you kind of went, "Holy God, 
I'm good at this part and now I'm going to create this agency. Like, it was a, a, a jump from busking to the agency. What inspired your action and what made you think, I like this, this is passion, I'm understanding what needs to be done here? Well, I, I, I go back a wee bit because I had many jobs. I worked in building sites, I worked in the steelworks, I worked in a biscuit factory, um, discovering the Jaffa cakes were of a higher order than shortbread because the only promotion I ever got in my entire life was when the foreman came in one night and said, um, I'm moving you to the Jaffa Cakes. And uh, all the guys in the shortbread belt were saying snob. So I realised that, that I <laughs> made an elevation. Um, and I worked in hospitals, uh, wine cellar. So I had all these jobs. And I made up my mind after my experience of sleeping out that every job I would work really, really hard. But the learning that you get through all of that, you learn about teamwork, you learn about you know, what motivates people, what demotivates people. Um, and then I, I was involved in, as one of the founder members of an organisation called The Wise Group in Glasgow, which was about, you know, um, giving people who were long-term unemployed real opportunities to get a job. We were doing all kinds of work around the city. We grew to 600 people. And we're doing insulation, we're doing landscaping, you know, dry, st dry stain diking, all of that. So... Then you see people who have, you know, been out of work and you see the, the, the incredible changes that just come from, you know, getting up in the morning and be able to shave. Well, that was the men. The women didn't generally shave in Glasgow. Um, and and then you, you, you realise that, you know, what we need above everything else is a sense of purpose. You know, you wake up in the morning when you've got nothing to look forward to. It's so dispiriting and paralyzing. So I learned about that. But I also, because I was a marketing person there, I, I was able to experiment and, you know, push boundaries and how how you can market, how you can take, you know, somebody who's got a social purpose into the wider world. You know, how can you get news at 10 involved in that? How can you, you know, attract um, the, the, the biggest media organisations to look at this organisation in Glasgow and say, you are doing something really special. So, you know, you had to learn all about, you know, building media relations. Um, I learned a lot about how to write um, you know how to headline, how to use words as a as a kind of leverage to, you know, to people developing their their, their ideas and 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 obviously motivating. And people said I was very motivating and very inspired. Now I didn't get on with the bosses particularly well because I did have a boss, um, but I got on really well with the staff I employed and everyone else in the organisation. So the block was always going to be, how do people see me when I'm there and I'm posing a bit of a threat, you know? Um, because I had, I was popular and I seemed to get the message across with consummate ease. So it was at that point I realised, look, I've got a skill here. I've got a whole set of skills and put them all together and I have to be in business. So that's where it started. So it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't an epiphany moment. It was a gradual it was a, a journey. Um, step by step. Yeah. Yeah. Coming to where you are now and what you're doing, you know, it's, it's you, you, your, your sort of life experience has been, you know, from the day you're born, 
it's building up and then at 43 you start your own business and then coming into your late 60s uh, you're the motivational speaker and you're using your story to inspire people what are you finding at the moment that leaders are missing or craving to find out more about um i i think that the first thing is that people um want to know something about themselves um and when i when i talk about my journey i don't do it in a kind of a laborious way i pick out little gems and you know for example i talk about the first time i ever felt you know really empowered in a workplace and it was the day when i arrived in a building site and normally when you arrive in buildings i was a kind of peripatetic bricklayer's laborer or hot carrier so i arrived in the site in Ells court and it was a big start from scratch right and there was a big welsh foreman with a broken nose and a soft tie and he put his arm around me and he says welcome michael and i realized that was the first time i'd ever been welcomed anywhere and and then he said you know he showed me the drawings and he said this is the palace you're building so I felt this sense of, you know, purpose, this this responsibility for the big picture. And he was just the first person that ever made me feel that I was a vital part of this, you know, enormous operation. We were building a palace. So when I used to go to the pub at night, you know, uh, people would say, what did you do? i say, I'm building a palace. And that was a great conversation starter. And you compare that with I work at the building trade, or I'm a labourer. Um, so the, the, the people need to know they've got value and they've got significance. That is the first thing. And, you know, I've spoken in so many companies now and so many organisations. And when people introduce themselves, they, 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 they will predicate what they see with things like, I'm just an admin, or I'm just, uh, I just work in transport, or I'm just, um, you know, uh, someone who just does odd jobs around here. And you say, you know, no, you're not. You're the engine oil of the organisation. You're, 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 you know, so you you begin to um, change people's frame of what they do and of the value that they have within an organisation, within the world, actually. So that's the first thing. And people are craving for that. It's extraordinary how many people underestimate the contribution that they make because no one ever tells them, really tells them, you're valuable. You're doing something amazing here. And you may not have the highest paid job, but my goodness, if you were to disappear tomorrow, we would feel the effects of that. But there's the thing, you know, you walk into a company or people are in different teams or in part of an organisation and they're labelled. I'm the admin person. I'm the accounts person. I'm the sales person. I'm the, you know, the, the cleaner, the whoever it be. There's these labels and then they kind of feel or need to act of what an account person is or an admin or, or, or admin or a sales. But it yes. shouldn't be that way. It should be, let's look at everyone, not in the organization as a company, not look at it as a brand, but look at it as a community. And if everyone was trying to strip away these labels that we are given or given to people and just look at everyone as a human being, because by chance they have f- either fallen into that role or they have walked, uh, you know, been educated in a way to get that role. But we still make tea the same, you know, even if someone is a, a CEO or a managing director or whoever, 
we butter our bread, we make tea. There's... Well, the, 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 there's no one out there that hasn't got, you know, a vital role in making this world work. Yeah, it's, uh, it, we're all equal. It's just yes, labels yes. and strip down the labels and look for guidance from what we have. Yeah. I mean, I look, I, I've i been there, which is why I understand. So, you know, I can... I was talking in, in Preston uh, just a couple of weeks ago and... You know, I was. I went around and I, I speak to people before I speak, so I try and get to know. Actually, when I first arrived at the venue, um, the receptionist said, "Are you the speaker from the Brexit, Brexit party?" It was on uh, <laughs> the 1st of January, yeah. and I gave him a fairly short answer. But anyway, I, I, I went to the venue, and there I was, and uh, you know, I got a really uh, good response when I was going out asking people what they did, and and then. They had a, a, a cabaret singer in, and one of the guys who I was told, you know, was just a, you know, he was a, you know, someone that worked in the transport department. He stood up and he grabbed the microphone and he started singing this song, and he was brilliant. And as his confidence grew, he stepped out onto the stage, um, and his performance increased with confidence and, and volume and uh, performance value. Um, and I thought, you know, when I was speaking, I said, have you ever shown that in your workplace? And he said, no, not until tonight. And he was embarrassed that he kind of extended himself beyond where he should be. So, you know, I say, you know, people go to work and they kind of hang their personality and their talents on the coat hanger on the way in because they think, I am fitting into a role, and it's a real industrial revolution model, isn't it? You put people into departments, compartments, you give them a job description, and, you know, you don't expect them to stay beyond that unless otherwise requested by a manager. But when we, you know, they say 85% of what a person is remembered for at work doesn't feature in their job description. So organisations now need people to bring their full array of talents, their personality, their ideas, their 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 quirks, you know, all of those things that make up a great organisation. But so many are still, you know, departments don't talk to each other. People want to build little empires around their departments. But, but that's all it. to the extent of someone else. You know, and it's it's we've still got that. Not in the modern companies, you know. Google's not like that. Yeah, but, but that's it. Look, that's it. Yeah. There, people will act differently in work than they do at home around their friends. Absolutely. So is there yeah. an imposter syndrome going on there? Or why are we not, you know, acting as we do always 24-7? Or do we suffer from multiple personality disorder without us realising? Well, in a sense, what we're doing is we're, we're, we are creating a persona for ourselves that's safe in the workplace. So you don't, you know, once I, I once interviewed a, a potential intern and she said she'd been at a recruitment company for the previous six months. And I said, did they not offer you a job? She said, well, they did, but um, I told them I didn't want it. And the manager said, you know, why did you refuse this job? And she said, well, the chief executive walked past my desk every day for six months. And he never said a word to me. And her manager said, that's a good thing. It means you've done nothing wrong. So, you know, a lot of people go into the workplace not to be noticed. And to not to be noticed 
um, is the worst default position for any human being to try and manage because it means that they have to curtail all those aspects of the personality which actually if brought out could be a real propelling force for the organization so you know people with a sense of humor uh maybe in the canteen maybe outside having a smoke certainly in the pub on a friday night when people disappeared out of the pub suddenly you see this entirely different personality now i think uh you know an organization and particularly in its customer interface you want all of these skills to be you know very much at the fore so if you've got a sense of humor we want more humor now in this world it's become you know really quite bland um and corporate communications have become you know sometimes almost impenetrable you just got to look at university communications you know academic papers are written and i think the average number of readers for an academic paper is nine yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. What is the purpose of you know doing all this research and coming up with great? Because um, people pull the stats out of it and use it, but don't read the rest of it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you know we 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 create this corporate environment where people are acting out a role, and often that role is quite a restricted one. So you know that's where you get people say it's not my job description. You know, um, I've heard a manager once say to a guy that worked for him you're not paid to think. So if you have an environment where people believe they're not paid to think, then you, and you bring me in, that changes very quickly. Do you know what I mean? Because if you really believe that, then, uh, you know, who's at fault? It's the manager, isn't it? Well, well um, okay, well, that brings up a question. What do you see the future being of businesses in the next decade okay well i i do talk about this well for a start they're going to be much more flat management structure um far less hierarchy sometimes you look at an organizational chart and you know you'd, you you used to have to do it on a on a landscape now you have to do it in an enormous portrait because it's just lines and lines and lines and lines and responsibilities and the most you know sometimes bizarre job titles because you know the, there's no imagination put into them um their jobs without purpose um so much more flatline management um i think the whole idea of departmentalization will change um i think there are roles which will become part of everyone's job description in, in the same way that google for example you know it doesn't have a research and development department because every member of its staff is involved in research and development and they give them you know, 20% of the working week away from their desk so to go out and look at things and come up with new ideas. So much more empowerment to, 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 the, to the people to be the ideas behind the organisation. You know, rather than bringing in consultants uh, to to be the kind of fill-up to the organisation, it should come from within. Um, but I also think that there's going to be a huge... I mean, there's, there's climate change. So um, there is going... We're kind of moving from you know, uh, equal living is a good thing to do to, you know, you'll be embarrassed if you don't get involved in equal living. You look at some of the products and services that are being developed around the world. We have astonishing developments that are, are going on just now, you know, bringing fresh water into parts of the world that can't get it, um, you know, all of that. So 
organizations will be driven much more by social purpose as well as business purpose. I think Richard Branson said, you know, if you're setting up a business today and you don't have a social purpose, don't bother. Yeah. So, you know, much more about, you know, not just what do we produce, what do we do, but what kind of impact do we have in the world around us? Are we, you know, are we making a positive contribution to the community? to our people and to the planet. Um, and I think those are going to be some of the fundamental questions. I also think that um, the whole traditional notion of promotion, um, because, you know, promotion is, is it's a bit like people talk about the housing ladder, you know? Um, and I always think of a house as a home. I don't see it just as, a, as an asset, you know, to... Uh, you know, rise in value and then you move on to the next. Yeah, I don't like yeah. the idea of a property ladder. And I don't like the idea of a career ladder either. And I think the notion of career will probably go as well because people will have multiple careers. If you look at a country like Denmark, you know, people are expected now to have, you know, five or six careers, sometimes more. So this idea of being a kind of, you know, oven-ready chicken produced by school. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's what we're doing. And I think it starts with education. And, you know, we need to look at education as a much more creative uh, process than it currently is because we, you, it's so hard to move from very traditional structures. But we have to. We need a bit of a revolution. You know, people are valuable. People have got ideas. We need to encourage people to learn the skills of creativity and adaptability because those are the things so we need people to be more adaptable no longer will you just recruit you know an accountant to be an accountant that accountant you would want to contribute to you know forward planning you want them to see how to optimize the budget you want to, them to be involved in the creative process as well as just the accounting one so you know moving from the spreadsheet to you know big ideas creative personality required yeah tell me we've got about two or three minutes left um i want to just ask you as this show is we're we're calling it the conscious business show you seem in listening to the conversation i'm having with you that you seem to be very consciously aware so awareness is part of your day-to-day process so you've basically woken up and you can see smell the coffee on it in saying that, what would you describe your belief system being as a human? My belief system? Well, I've actually, I, I wrote uh, about values uh, in a book, um, which was published a few years ago. And I think I, I, I said that money is a consequence rather than an end in itself. So the pursuit of greed and the pursuit of money as a kind of motivator it doesn't make sense to me. I, mean, I could have made money. I could have made much more money. But, you know, I, I do what I do because I like doing it. And if I do it well, I get, you know, monetary return for it. That's the first thing. I think the, the, the second thing is that um, all people are of value. So, if, so our role, um, you know, uh, in business or actually in life is to, you know, encourage people to realize and to value themselves um, and to keep learning because keeping learning is in a sense the elixir you know if you I, I always say you know if you look at a toddler they don't walk around with the world on their shoulders 
they 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 run, they skip, they swing and things. They walk Live backwards. in the moment, they do. Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, if we were to recapture, you know, some of the, 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 the attributes of a toddler, you know, for a start, curiosity. If you lose curiosity and you become uh, cynical, then you've died inside. There's something gone. So I, I watch children from a very safe distance and I see this immensity of you know, purpose and this, you know, discovery, always wanting to, to stretch beyond um, the lead that this, that's been placed on them. And I, I think that's my philosophy. Uh, it really is about, you know, keep stretching, keep pushing the boundaries, step outside your, your, your normal sphere of influence, try new things, um, you know, keep looking at yourself as a, as a working project. What? Never finish product. What's next for you, Dan? You have 30 well, seconds. Well, well, well I, I want to continue speaking. I'd like to get into media. I want to be the best speaker in Europe. Um, that's my my target. Not because of, you know, a position of elevation, just because I want to be, the, you know, getting more people, the best, more people. The best are one of the best, because I want to be the best as well. So well, I'm no longer the best, one, one of the best. best. Oh, no. There's an element of the competition and everything. <laughs> Tell me, where can people reach out and find you if they want to connect with you on LinkedIn? Gives your details there. If they want to connect on the website and find out more about hiring yourself in for engagement at their business, um, give us a there, Mike. MikeStevenson.net. That's it. And also, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on uh, Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Twitter is at Thinktastic. Brilliant. Mike, thanks for coming on to the uh, Conscious Business Show. That's perfect. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes, folks, that is Mike Stevenson calling from Scotland. Mike is a very interesting guy. He's, um, he's as you've been listening to the show, he's got a wealth of knowledge. And with ourselves as well, if you want to check out more topics on leadership, if you want to check out Team Building Days, check out our Conscious Business Academy, where we are bringing purpose, profit and prosperity into your life and your business. Until next week, guys, we'll have a new person on. We'll have a new call. We'll be talking talking about belief systems and how you can improve your life. Till then, take care. This is Joe Dalton.